tuned in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, I love beer here in D.C. During my time at culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer, and I continued my studies in beer in grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. So every week, I will have a different guest from different facets of the beer world, from importers, bartenders, educators, brewers, to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you are new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So on this stunning Monday morning, uh, I am joined in studio by Colleen Gillespie, uh, Assistant General Manager of Boundary Stone here in Washington, D.C., a return guest, so we are very, very excited to have her back. Also, uh, on call-in via phone, we have Catherine Kyle. She is the general manager of Blind Tiger in New York City. So for today's show, kind of the inspiration was uh, Catherine and I participated in Cornell's second annual Craft Beer Roundtable, uh, this year hosted in their conference center uh, in New York City. And it was a lot of different professionals in the beer industry, again, from a lot of different parts of the beer industry, to kind of tackle some subjects and discuss uh, different things that we are facing, uh, whether we run beer programs or are affected by them or, you know, any of those kind of topics. So um, I led a discussion on uh, beer menu design and why that's important and why that is something that you really want to focus on as far as educating the customer, which kind of led into the next discussion, which was best practices in educating the customer, followed by uh, pairing beers with food uh, and then kind of growing the industry. So basically I wanted to have uh, two people who both uh, currently run beer programs, run beer bars, to kind of talk about some of the uh, issues that we deal with as far as educating the customer and kind of growing the general awareness of craft beer. So, Colleen, Catherine, thank you both for being here, whether online or in person. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, So... Catherine, you know, if you don't mind giving uh, the listeners of DC maybe a little snapshot about what Blind Tiger is, why it's important, why you're such a badass. <laughs> well, the Blind Tiger was established in 1996, and that um, that date alone, in terms of focusing on craft beer and trying to build the craft beer movement here in New York, is super significant at the time. There was one other beer bar in existence, and we were told it'll never work. Manhattan cannot support two craft beer bars, <laughs> which is laughable, of course, at this moment. But at that time, you know, it was fledgling here. And so bringing craft beer in, bringing brewers in, bringing customers in, um, helping create the excitement that has continued and continued to today was something that early on we were involved in and continue to be to this day. So that's, you know, that's the biggest thing about the Blind Tiger. 
But right now, it's you know it's a really beautiful moment in beer in New York and across the country. There's so many new breweries. There's so many new people very excited about what we have on draft or who the new brewery is or what's the festival that's going on this weekend that everyone's very excited about or have you heard about this new style? And that's, you know, that's what we do day in, day out at the Blind Tiger. Nice. And Colleen, if you could give the listeners of uh, Washington, D.C. and otherwise a little cap on what is Boundary Stone and why you are such a badass. Boundary Stone is your quintessential neighborhood pub. Mm -hmm. Um, We... We started, you know, we opened seven years ago and just wanted a place where we wanted to go and we where we wanted to drink with our friends and it turned into we grew with the beer industry here in D.C. because we opened at the same time that D.C. Brow opened and it was the first brewery here. So we really kind of came up at a time when beer was actually being appreciated in D.C. And it had started a couple of years prior, uh, I think 2007, 2008 is kind of when D.C., started to really flirt with the DC, the beer scene. Um, so basically, we just like to showcase what's going on in D.C. and the beer scene and what how far the beer scene has come. And then we like to bring in, you know, people from outside the D.C. beer scene. So I have about a couple drafts that I get to play around with and be selfish with and then bring in things that I really am excited about. Mm-hmm. And then I, in turn, get to teach everyone else about them as well. And they get excited and teach tell everyone about it so yeah nice well thank you both and don't worry at the end we'll give you plenty of time to plug any new and exciting thing coming up at your respective bars um (laughs) but uh i do kind of want to dive in a little bit and talk a little bit about some of the subjects that we discussed at the craft brewers roundtable and something that really struck me was uh educating the customer what are some best practices that you two use to help kind of bridge that gap? What's something that you uh, recommend to people who maybe run beer bars or restaurants or, you know, for customers in general, if maybe you can give them advice on like, what are good questions to ask? How to get, how are you getting the person who's asking for a Bud Light involved? Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go about it. And I let my bartender's style dictates some of that. But the most important thing is that you approach whoever it is that's coming up to you with whatever question, you know, if it is something like, you know, what I, I just want to drink a Bud Light. What do you have that's like Bud Light? And we don't have anything that's like a Bud Light, but we do have things that that person will like. We won't cut them down and say, well, we don't have Bud Light, you know, with an attitude or, you know, looking down at someone. We'll say something like, well, there's a taste profile in Bud Light that you might enjoy in this Pilsner that we're, we're carrying. Can I give you a taste of that? And if they taste it and they, they really don't like it, um, you try and get them to say why they don't like it or, you know, what it is that's off-putting to them so that then you can steer them in a better direction. Sometimes that's going to be towards, um, you know, an amber ale that's less hoppy. Sometimes that's going to be towards a more sour beer that might be more venous, more like a wine or... Um, you know, just depending on what you can get out of them in terms of what they like flavor and taste with their taste profile. And then you try to match it with something that you have on your draft list. And that's, you know, there's different, like I said, there's different ways to approach it, but those are kind of the two basic ways that we look at it. I completely agree. And I think that asking them what they like to drink outside of beer is also a good way to go about it. Mm -hmm. And then giving them, what I like to do is give them three options 
that I have on draft that I think maybe might appeal to them. Um, I feel like a strong one is usually saisons are kind of agreeable with people, and it's a good jumping off point if I don't have a lager or a pilsner, or maybe my lager or pilsner is too hoppy for them. Um, but yeah, always having a conversation, and I I like to be of the mentality where there's a time and place for every beer, and you know, you know, you yeah. can catch me with the PBR on a Sunday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, and that's a great thing about what they like to drink outside of beer. Like you can even take cocktails and you know different you know profiles. If they like a gin and tonic, you can you know point them in a certain way. If they like a Manhattan, you point them in a different way. And it's just a matter of knowing those different flavor profiles so that you can get them to something that at least they can see a through line from, even if they don't know they're seeing that through line. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of get them there. And, you know, this is something that I touched on, you know, during my discussion of menu design in that menu design, especially for beer, can be the first line of kind of breaking down that intimidation, making sure it's well organized and, and that you're thoughtful in how you're organizing it. You know, and this is something that you learn in your training in neighborhood restaurant group yes. in that, you know, if you just list Belgium and this is your category, that encompasses all manner of different styles that doesn't tell you what this beer is going to taste like so because in neighborhood restaurant group you see uh these beers broken down into flavor profile crisp hot hop tart and funky malt you know people have an idea at the same point though and this is something that we got into a little bit in the round table is that hop is kind of a uh, industry insider phrase. There are a lot of people that don't know what that means. They don't know what that flavor profile, if you say hop um, or hop driven, they're going to be a little confused because uh, for so many people, and I think we forget this because we are part of that. We're so deep. We're too deep in it. We're too in it. <laughs> we're, too into it. <laughs> we're too in. Is that um, we forget that people don't know what hop is. Um, so have you all experienced something where someone's looking at a menu and they're just overwhelmed and it's just too much and you've kind of had to break down different categories or different topics for them? Oh, yeah. And I, I, it's interesting, too, because even within just the word hop and what hoppy means now versus what it meant in quotations a few years ago, that's really changed a lot, too, especially with the Northeast and the juicier beers being so popular right now. People come in and they say, I just want your hoppiest beer. But if you give them a beer that has a lot of, you know, hops in the boil to get technical, it'll have a lot of bitterness that turns them off. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not even as instructive as it as we used to think it was. <laughs> right, because then you can also be like, well, I have this and it's super aromatic and it's, I don't know what... It, you're right, and it's what are you looking for? Do you want that bitter finish? Do you want those juicy aromatics in the front? Mm-hmm. Do you want it to be well-balanced? Do you want it to be a little bit more malty? Do you want it to be, you know... It's, they're so, it's, it's such a broad... It's such a broad category now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for those of you just tuning in, this is Beer Me Radio on Full Service Radio, recording live from the Line Hotel, and I'm joined with Colleen Gillespie, uh, Assistant General Manager of Boundary Stone here in D.C., and Catherine Kyle, uh, General Manager of the Blind Tiger. So as we're talking about educating consumers and kind of bridging that gap and making craft beer a little less intimidating, obviously the shift went to educating your staff. And Colleen, this is something that you and I talked a little bit about when you came on previously. Um, but Catherine, I'm a little curious, what 
what kind of goes into the training for your staff? Because you guys have a pretty extensive beer list. <laughs> and, you know, what, what does that, it's hard, it's hard to find good help these days. So <laughs> what, what does that look like for you? Well, I mean, first of all, what we really focus on is keeping our bartenders. And, you know, I, I, we have bartenders that have worked there 15 years. And wow. wow. Yeah. And we have bartenders that have been there 10. We have two bartenders that have come back from maternity leave to, you know, come back to their shifts. And so that, so our training is, it, it's every once in a while we do take on someone new. Um, mm-hmm. And for that, you know, we just kind of go through everything. But also they come in with a, a certain basic knowledge. Um, and so how I approach training with my staff is it's kind of an ongoing, it's an ongoing process with a new beer style. Like if there's a new beer style that we haven't really featured a whole lot before, like this was, you know, more a few years ago than right at this moment. But I remember when um, Ghosts just came in about five, six years ago and I, you know, no one had ever heard of it. Everyone thought it was a goose and, you know, we just had to <laughs> sit down and be like, okay, this is what a Gosa is. And you know, just kind of go through the styles. And we got, you know, our basic, you know, our most classic Gosa that was available at the time, you know, and had everyone taste it. And, you know, so, so like, new things like that, you just, you kind of just tackle head on. Like, you know, what is this? New breweries, you're like, who is this brewery? What, you know, what is it? And you just make sure that they have all the information that they need Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, direct the customer. Because, you know, it's like our job is, you know, the brewer's job is one thing. Our job is to get the right beer into the right customer's hand. And then they're going to like it. They're going to want more of it. It's going to drive success to the brewery. But just because it's, you know, the brewery's beer isn't the right one for that customer, even if it might be, in my opinion or the bartender's opinion, the best beer on the board or, you know, whatever it is, that doesn't matter. What matters is that that customer has what they want. And so all education is kind of forwarded toward that. Yeah, I completely agree with all those things. We, um... When I first took over about a year and a half ago, we, I had, I brought someone in from DC Brow and Mm -hmm. we went through every classic style and then brought in things that we carried and how they're similar. So if people come to you and ask you for a specific style, you have the, the ability to broaden their horizons because you know enough about it that you can suggest something else or you can teach them about the differences between the two or like Gozes is a perfect example of an interesting new beer style that actually, I guess not new, but it was new to the market mm-hmm. um, that really is such, it, I think it pleases so many people. Yeah. And for the sake of uh, education and bridging the gap, can one of you just quickly, briefly describe that style for our listeners that maybe not be that familiar? Um, sure. It's a traditional German style. It's uh, Slightly tart, slightly salty. Um, it's generally low ABV. It's super refreshing. The first time I had it was actually up at um, Omegang Brewery's uh, BCTC, and someone had brought a Westbrook Gosa up to the festival, a, a little keg of it, and it, it was just the best thing to drink when you were, you know, hot hot walking around out in nature for, you know, a couple of days surrounded by all the best beers in the world. And, you know, it can work as a palate cleanser. It can work as a refresher. You know, it's a really diverse style. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, traditionally, this is a sour beer where you have uh, salt or, and coriander mm-hmm. added. 
Um, and I think a lot of uh, brewers are kind of like taking their own little spin on it and like doing their like own little like form of, of, of different kinds of salt or different kinds of spice and then adding fruit. Um, I think an example that you're probably going to see on the shelves around a lot is a dogfish head sequence. Oh, yeah, 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 the um, cucumber. It's, it's got limes, coriander salt, and black limes. Oh. Uh, so these are limes that have been preserved uh, in ancient method. Um, and so when you get them, it's like these little limes that are like, almost, they almost feel hollow and they're completely black and you can almost like grate them like nutmeg almost. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kyle Bailey, chef of the salt line, uh, introduced those to me. Oh, very cool. Um, so I'm really happy we got off subject because we're going to take a little break. <laughs> Uh, and then we will be we'll be right back. We're listening to right now is a local producer named Rossier, winner of the BB1 Beat Battle Tournament. We'll be hearing his music all week. This track is called Zen. Find more of his music online at SoundCloud.com/slash Rossier. That's R-A-S-I-I-R. We'll be right back on Beer Me. Keep it locked. Welcome back to Beer Me, recording live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm joined today by Colleen Gillespie. She is the Assistant General Manager of Boundary Stone here in Washington, D.C., and Catherine Kyle, the General Manager of the Blind Tiger in New York City. Uh, We are talking a little bit about today is the craft beer roundtable that Catherine and I participated in in May uh, in New York City. This is uh, put on by Cornell University. Uh, And we were talking a little bit about how to kind of bridge the gap uh, and make craft beer a little less intimidating for consumers and how that requires very clear uh, menu design as well as staff education and how important that all is. Uh, Another part of that that I think is very important that we touched on during the roundtable is pairing beer with food. And this is something that we've talked a lot about on the show. Uh, We had Adam Dooley here, the executive chef of the Brewers Association, uh, and he just, you know, came out with a whole book about it. We've talked a lot about Savor, the event that the Brewers Association puts on. Essentially, just the whole point of the event is pairing beer with food. And I feel not only does beer pair better with food than wine, um, because I'm incredibly biased, and it's just true, right? Um... (laughs) But I think uh, from an educational standpoint, it's a real eye-opener for a lot of guests and as well as for a lot for uh, your staff. Uh, so what do you all do at your uh, establishments that kind of help uh, foster that? Oh, Catherine, you want to go first on that one? Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. We used to put on the board, we would suggest beer and food pairings, and it didn't really work. And by that, I mean, 
you know, people might read it and they might be interested in it, but very few people really followed that lead. Um, so what we do now is, again, we leave it to the bartenders and, you know, they know the styles, they know what styles will pair well with, you know, specific things that we offer on the menu. Um, they know, you know, we always offer, you know, some great cheeses. We have this great um, beer shop right across the way called Murray's Cheese, and we always feature their cheeses on our charcuterie and cheese. Oh, board. I miss Murray's Cheese so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, beer and cheese is, it's, it's beautiful. And there's so many, you know, we used to sit there and try and, like, you know, taste the beer and the cheese and find that elusive third flavor. And, you know, and then we would, you know, write, like, you know, painstakingly, like, write that pairing as, like, the, you know, the best pairing. Mm-hmm. But really, it's like the bartender's, And the customers, they want to do that on their own. Like, that's the fun of it at this point. You know, like, we're past the, like, beer goes well with cheese phase at the Blind Tiger. And part of that is because we've been offering cheese. We put it out free um, when we have brewer events. Well, actually, every Wednesday we put it out free at at 6 p.m. Really high-end, great, diverse cheeses. And so people learn, like, most of our regulars have learned how to pair beer and cheese on their own by trying it throughout the years with the different event beers that we were pouring. So what what they really like to do is they like to say, like, okay, what type of beer, you know, would this cheese go well with? And then the bartender would say, well, if I was doing it, I might put it with this because of that reason. Mm-hmm. And then the customer sometimes will try that, but more often they'll just order the beer that they want, and then they'll try it with the cheese, and then they'll tell you, oh, yeah, that's really great. Or, mm, I really like the cheese, and I really like the beer, but I don't like them together. Yeah. You know, they like to have that discussion at, at the bar or at the table. And we, we touched on this a little bit in that when you put suggested pairings on menus, and this is something that I see in a lot of different establishments, as a, as a client, as a guest, you feel like you, this is a marketing scheme. This is something that someone's pushing on you. I am suggesting this beer because I want to sell this beer. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're having a conversation with somebody who's incredibly knowledgeable and confident, uh, this is a curated experience, especially for you. I'm suggesting this for the special dish that you've ordered yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's much more personal. I think when you get the staff involved or what you used to do at Blue Jacket and, and, you know, NRG restaurants is that we would bring a new dish out and go around and taste and then say, okay, what would you pair with this on draft right now? How would you go about selling this? Because then you're getting your staff involved and they're now really thinking through it and here's reason why I think this goza would go really well with this, you know, Tropical salad that we now have on the menu. <laughs> um, and I try to do the same thing at Boundary Stone, um, where we're not as food-driven as, you know, other places that I've worked that it is easier to pair with, mm-hmm. beer with. Um, but they have fun with it. I mean, they're when they're excited about something and they're like, this is, you know, this new dish is on the menu. It will go awesome with this new beer from, you know, Three Stars or DC Brow or Atlas that we have that's local that maybe you don't know about yet. So just getting yeah. them excited about it. And I think it's important to start to change the perception of what beer goes with. It is so easy to have beer go with pizza or chicken wings or fried food, any, mm-hmm. literally any fried food. <laughs> right. Burgers. Okay. Burgers. Exactly. And that's the perception. That's beer's home. And that's where you typically see it. But if you have, you know, seared duck breasts with bok choy and a daikon salad, it's not very often that you see beer recommended. And I think this is where our industry needs to continue to push in that beer needs to be thought of uh, just as much, if not more, than wine. You know, and, and I'm not sure how we keep that going, whether because 
honestly, like I don't, beer dinners are not always effective. No, I completely agree. I think that, I think it's just a, a way to showcase, you know, this brewery is doing some really cool things, but sometimes it misses the mark and the parents don't always, I mean, they're, they're a great way to get people more involved and to see how versatile beer can be, but yeah, I don't. And, and also, I think I feel like they stand out as like an, a, a one-time thing instead of this is what we can do every day with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I feel like, you know, I don't know how that translates. I don't know if uh, it means that different brewers or different reps, uh, sales reps, people who are who are selling the beer, uh, go into restaurants that maybe not are not as beer focused to to offer educational classes or, you know, and, and but then you run into the thing that nobody, nobody has time for that. <laughs> right. And I, sometimes I find with, and this is not every rep that I've come across, but I don't know if they're as educated as they should be when it comes to selling beer or knowing I got in. Oh, I did. Fired. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got went there. Um, not everyone, everyone. I mean, I, I love my reps. Yeah. <laughs> they're wonderful <laughs> ones that I've had in the past. Um, it was kind of like, Perhaps yeah. this is not the route that you should be going right now. <laughs> but so I think I mean, the education for reps are super important as well. Yeah. And I mean, you see that more. You see, you know, reps often, especially for the major distribu- distributors, are being required to get their certified Cicerone and things like that. But yeah. Sure. Um, it's, it's just, it's really smart for a rep, though. It's like, because people will come in and have lunch a lot at the Blind Tiger, the reps will. Mm-hmm. And so if they're coming in and they're having lunch, and it's so smart if they, you know, they have, they order their beer and they go, oh, and they just say to the bartender, you know, oh, I'm really loving how this beer is working with this dish. Just even saying that while they're there anyway, doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's going to stand out to that bartender. They're going to think of that. The next time someone orders that dish, it's going to be in their mind whether or not they actually say it. And, you know, I just feel like, I feel like beer reps should really communicate with bartenders more. Of course, they want to talk to the buyers, and the, you know, the people who can really, you know, order the beer. But the bartenders are the ones who are going to move it. And if the beers don't move, we're not going to be as apt to buy the same thing, you know, immediately again. We might still buy it again, but maybe not as frequently as we would otherwise. I agree. I love it when my reps come in when I'm not there and they hang out with the bartenders and talk about their products. And that's those are the ones that... You know, my bartenders then come to me and like, call. We just talked to so and so from, from Union or for from wherever, and mm-hmm. you know, DC Brow. They're doing this really cool thing. Can we, can we bring it in? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think also as far as you know, kind of speaking to education, in that breweries need to really up the game as far as uh, descriptors and suggestions on their website or however they get information out about their beer uh it it needs to be it needs to be more detailed first off um but also you know the suggestions that they make for pairing which isn't always 100% necessary but I feel like they need to be mindful of the fact that we're trying to promote this craft and in order to do that, you have to get beer out of that mindset that this is just for a barbecue, this is just for a baseball game, that this should be an everyday, every meal kind of drink. And to do that, you have to kind of shift the mindset. And I think, for example, like Tired Hands, this is a brewery out of Pennsylvania. They make really, really stunning beers. Um, their saisons are, you know, tear-worthy. And anytime they post anything about food with their beer, it's always something off the wall, you know? It's always something really, really 
uh, unique and exciting. I think they posted something like about green curry or something like that. Like, and of course you want to drink beer with that, you know? So it, it, it's exciting to see that kind of starting to drive from the brewer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, as you were saying that, I was laughing to myself because I saw something the other day that was like, pair as well with beef, chicken, and pasta. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's broad. <laughs> I mean, Kevin, have you seen have you seen breweries kind of start to drive this narrative that, you know, beer can go with more than just pizza? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some breweries, you know, are good on their website. I think it's, uh, I think maybe it's Brooklyn Brewery here that, really makes an effort to, I think, most of the time suggest some kind of pairings just so people, I mean, again, it's like it can be used as a descriptor of beer. It's like, oh, if it goes well with that, then, you know, just more information about what that liquid might be like Mm -hmm. without tasting it. Yeah. And so I think it really serves the breweries to do that, just, you know, not even from, you know, trying necessarily in their mind to forward the beer with food all the time agenda, which they may or may not realize is in their interest. <laughs> but it is in their interest to, you know, get more information about what is this beer and, you know, will will people want to to buy it, especially the off-premise. You know, I deal, you know, only people coming in, so we have a, you know, an, a wrapped audience. We get to speak a lot to them about things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that beer, that bottle, you know, is sitting there, you know, with no one talking to people and they're going to make a decision. And sometimes people, you know, grab their phones and, you know, do a quick search. And if the quick search says, yeah, you know, goes great with fish and you're, you know, you've just bought fish for dinner. You're like, hey, let's get that, you know. (laughs) No, for sure. So um, just to kind of wrap up a little bit, I feel like as consumers, general advice, ask questions, have an open mind drink beer with something that is a little outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and definitely, uh, you know, trust a little bit more that people can take care of you. Um, So before we sign off here, uh, anything exciting going on coming up in in New York with a blind tiger or anything here in in Boundary Stone? Yeah, so we have, actually this Wednesday, we have uh, an event with Stone Brewing, which is exciting and... um, they, you know, they, they're really interested in, um, we're pouring some of their new beers um, that I actually haven't even tried yet, so I'm excited for that. That's this Wednesday. And then in July, we've got a couple of great things. We've got Cigar City coming in Very on the cool. 18th. Yes. And then on the 25th is our annual Christmas in July, and that's a great event because, it, you know, we take some of those, you know, dark malty beers that come out, you know, right around the holidays, and we age them for about six months and awesome. we find that with a lot of those beers six months of aging does you know it'll change it just enough and kind of increase the deliciousness of it so that's kind of the point around that beer at the same time we take something um unconventional like sierra nevada celebration a hoppy beer and we age that too and you get to really see what the difference is what six months make it's still a delicious beer but it's a completely different beer so it's 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 a fun day and you guys do like is there like side by side so like a a fresher or no because celebration only comes out out once a year i got you (laughs) that's really cool but true (laughs) i know very sad but true it's a great day when it comes out though Uh, we actually just had an event with Stone about a week ago. They're oh, so fun. Nice. They're yeah, a lot of fun. Their beers are great, and we love having them on the East Coast now. <laughs> um, the biggest thing we have coming up is the DC Beer Week. We're just kind of making plans. Our biggest event is the um, Battle of the Barrel Age. So I got together with all the the breweries about five months ago, I want to say, and we, mm-hmm. you know, we picked the the 
the winner, which was right proper, gets to pick the barrel for the following year, and they get two dedicated draft lines for the whole year. Um, so it's super fun. Everyone gets really excited about it, and they're like cutthroat. Oh, I'm sure it because it's <laughs> the trash. They're has hyping to be up. Epic. They're hyping up, and they're yeah. getting everyone because it's a ticketed event, and you know the public, the popular vote is pretty. <laughs> It's heavily weighted, and so they're 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 so fun, and they have such a good time with it. I love it. Uh, and then we're talking about doing a, a battle of the bands. We do open mic every Monday, mm-hmm. and uh, we're doing like a battle of the bands for someone to actually like headline oh, a night yeah. at Boundary Stone. Nice, which is That's fun. Awesome. So we'll bring that in. We're kind of trying to do some music focused breweries, mm-hmm. like Solace and Ocelot, and people that name their <laughs> their beers after song titles. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're still working on that, but we're excited. Awesome. Yeah, there are some uh, really cool events coming up for uh, DC Beer Week, so we're going to be unpacking that a little bit on the show. Um, All right, well, thank you both so much. I greatly appreciate you calling in, Catherine and Colleen. Always wonderful to have you in the studio. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, like I said, ask questions and uh, try an unlikely pairing with beer and food. Uh, We'll see you next week on Monday at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan. This is Beer Me. Check us out online and through Instagram. Thank you.